learned from the closing ceremony of an Olympic Games that, in one Olympian's words, no one wants to talk about. And for Olympic swimmer Max Metzger, the 1980 Moscow Olympic Games brings to mind one of the worst disputes in the history of Australian sport. You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Nicole Bennett. The 55-year-old Olympian says that even though three decades have passed, he can still feel and remember the pain brought on by his participation in the Moscow Games. At the time, the United States had called for a boycott of Moscow in retaliation for the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979. Australia's Prime Minister at the time, Malcolm Fraser, supported his allies in the States. The row split the country and split the Australian Olympic Federation, which was later to become the Australian Olympic Committee. Following a vote, a handful of athletes withdrew from Australia's delegation in the lead-up to the Olympics. In the end, Australia sent a team of 124 athletes. Metzger carried the flag in the opening ceremony alongside Olympic sprinter Denise Robertson-Boyd. In the end, Metzger took home a bronze medal in the 1,500-meter freestyle. Despite the adversity the team faced in the lead-up to the Games, Metzger says he's proud of what Team Australia accomplished in Moscow. In an interview with Around the Rings on July 2nd, Metzger described what it was like in Australia during the lead-up to the 1980 Moscow Olympics. The atmosphere in Australia was, uh, well, it was divided. I think the majority of the people wanted us to go, but the government was putting pressure on the um, Australian Olympic Committee to vote no. The public was getting quite um, vile. Like I know myself and a lot of other swimmers, we received uh, you know, threatening, you know, um, comments in the mail, you know, vile stuff. <laughs> My mother even, because I was living at home then when I was young, she'd even vet our mail to make sure I couldn't see all these, um, you know, quite uh, horrible things you know, written down. And also, um, parents. Uh, one swimmer, Mark Tonelli, his parents in Brisbane at a mall were. Um, you know, spat on and you know, their son was called a traitor and half of the press here was in favour of the government and they were writing headlines in the paper, traitors and you know, uh, publishing uh, nasty uh, cartoons you know, with Olympians and medals you know, like we were selling out and it was very tense and that's why the swimming team, we left Australia quite early to get overseas to go to France, to get a training camp, to get away from all of the pressure over here. Did you agree with Prime Minister Fraser at the time? Should Australia have boycotted the Moscow Games? No, at the time. That's why uh, the swimming and the individual athletes wanted to go because we still followed the Olympic ideal then. Remember, it was all still all amateur sport. There was no money in it and things like that. And we we believe that sport and you know the Olympic ideal yeah isn't a political voice. You know, it's a humanitarian voice really. We thought in the big picture, um, when you cut off lines of communication, as you know, Australia wanted to cut off all the communication w with Russia over the issues, you know, when you cut off lines of communication, you know, that's the end. As long as the lines of communication are open, there's always hope. And by going over there, we weren't used as a political agenda for the Russians. Even now, 35 years on, we know we did the right thing. So when you arrived in Moscow, what was the atmosphere like at the Athletes' Village? Did any of that tension from home spill over into your experience at the Games? No, funnily enough, all the countries that did go, you know, like the big hitters, you know, Great Britain and uh, all the, the big nations and, and France, it, there wasn't exactly a bonding together, but all the countries knew that we were there for the right reasons, not to, you know, to pro promote 
the Soviet Union, but to show our country's flags, to say, hey, listen, you guys are doing the wrong thing. Look, you know, we've come over here. We're going to compete in your games and still keep that you know, communication open. The security over in Moscow was, was tight, yeah, for our own safety, and, um, but it certainly it was still wasn't a bad atmosphere over there. It was still very enjoyable. And competition went well for the team. I know you took home a bronze medal. Um, what was it like, I guess, did any politicians from Australia come to watch the games, or, or were you guys kind of on your own in terms of your delegation? Well, well, all the, um, our, obviously the team managers, you know, the chef de Michon and the manager and all the people that voted to go on our Australian Olympic Committee, because it was a it was a, a vote. It came down to our Olympic Committee voting amongst each other, and the vote was in favour to come. But obviously, there were a few that abstained from voting. But the team just bonded together as one. Every, you know, everyone over there. We we were there for one job. We didn't focus on the politics, and we just performed as normal. Uh, we won two gold, uh, two silver, and five bronze from 120 athletes. That was the size of the team, and. Um, I think it was a very good performance. So what was it like when you returned to Australia after the Games? Well, a couple of us, you know, myself included on the swimming team and a couple of athletes, we didn't want to come home you know, straight away. A couple of us took up uh, scholarships, swimming scholarships in America. So we left from Europe to go to America. I myself went to uh, the University of Alabama. But all the other athletes that came home uh, you know, cause obviously, you know, you know, we spoke to them you know, when we came back, and um, yeah, they they were still shunned, and no one wants to acknowledge the successes of what happened. You know, they did, just like the elephants in the room. No one wanted to talk about it, and that's why now, you know, this you know publicity that's going on, and why I brought up, and no one still wants to talk about our Moscow Olympic team as if it was you know just swept under the carpet, because remember in '84 in LA was the next games. And Australia officially went, you know, it was all, you know, the big thing again. And it's if that memory of four years before has just been wiped away. What do you think, I guess, expanding on that, what do you think you've mentioned that the Olympics shouldn't necessarily be a vehicle for a, anyone's political agenda? And, and it's tough, you know, you've got a country like Russia that's very controversial in its policies, for example, with Sochi and their anti-gay legis- legislation that was passed right before the games and there were a lot of people that thought we should boycott again because of that but it but it's like you said it's difficult because it shouldn't be about that it shouldn't be about politics so i guess do you think in our i guess day and age but this was even moscow you know that was three decades ago but do you think it's unavoidable to to have politics and sport mix when you have something like an Olympic Games? You know, I'm, I'm an optimist, and I don't think it is unavoidable. I believe like, like what Australia has done uh, to keep the politics out of it. Yeah, if possible, of all the big hitters in the world, the big countries that go, if their Olymp- Olympic committees could attempt to make themselves financially free from their government assistance, you know, i.e. funding and all of that, because then you're a master to them. Australian Olympic Committee, they're self-funding now. 
we don't have to answer to the Australian government, so they can't be threatened you know, by financial cuts or political decisions. I know little countries, it's impossible to do that, obviously. I don't know, is the US Olympic Committee still uh, rely on federal funding? The US Olympic Committee is not, is independent. It does not receive funding from the federal government. So that's a good point. When you mix government support with an Olympic Committee, that's a really, I'd never thought of it that way, that that would definitely not help separate politics from sport, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, yes, look, the politicians still haven't been able to solve what happened 35 years ago. Like, today, it's basically the same over there in that part of Europe. So um, let them still try it, and you, you, know, you just let the athletes go over every four years, meet each other, and then people will say, hey, let's take a step back, take a deep breath, and try and solve what's going on. But it takes sport to highlight that. Look at 1914 and World War One, when there was a truce between Germany and the Allies on Christmas Day. Remember, they stopped to play soccer. It was an unofficial truce. You know, the 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 two countries, you know, Germany and the Allies, they wouldn't officially sanction a truce. The athletes, well, not the athletes, the soldiers themselves sanctioned that truce at Christmas. Went out and played soccer together, exchanged food, and then went back to war a day later. And I see us as doing that. Athletes can do that. And I see the athletes in the Olympics every four years. We're going in to an environment of 10,000 athletes. It's like a microcosm of the world. 10,000 athletes living in a village, every colour, creed and race, going through highs and lows, supporting each other, all in the name of sport. And those 10,000 athletes will go back to their countries and tell one person, hey, you know what? Those people from such and such a country, they're just like us. They laugh. They're friendly. And that's how you start the ball rolling. It's idealistic, but sport, I think, is the only thing holding everything together in the powder keg you know, in the world. Another thought that I had is that if we also use the Olympics as a symbol for unity in times of turmoil or division between two countries, do you think that they, over the years, uh, the IOC may change rules regarding armbands and and things that you can wear. Like I know a lot of athletes during the Sochi Olympics wanted to wear rainbow uh, paraphernalia to support LGBT rights. Yes. Do you think that that would change or will change or benefit the Olympic movement if it does? Well, that's a very, very difficult question because like in one hand we're saying we don't want to be political you know, right. you know, whatever the political side you're on, whatever the subject, and we just want to go to there, play sport, everyone talk amongst each other, you know, like unofficially, like the soldiers, and say, yeah, this is right and this is wrong. Yeah, that's a hard one, and, you know, like you say, armbands and all that, or talk about a particular subject over there, <laughs> that's just, that is a very, very hard one, yeah. Right, it's, it's, you walk a fine line, because I guess my thought process was maybe in 1980 had you all gone over but wanted to voice your support for the US and your allies you could have worn some kind of armband but but like you said that kind of it, it goes it's the reverse of what you were saying that we want to remain neutral and non-political and that would yes. make it political again you know so exactly exactly as I said my hope is all the athletes here to 10,000 get together 
And then in that Russian team too, yeah, they're, they're there in the village. Then they go back to their little villages in the Soviet Union. What is it? Yeah, those Westerners, the Aussies and everyone, they're just like us. They're not, and, you know, that's how you get the ball rolling and get them, you know, to influence the politicians. But it's idealistic, but if you don't have ideals, yeah, everything's lost. So I guess just uh, on on a last note, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from having competed at the 1980 Olympics? Well, I believe um, every nation that went was right going there. I don't believe we contributed to the, the, their propaganda machine. Um, you know, like 35 years ago, as I said before, that was you know, still the powder gig, that part of the world, and you know, and it still is. So the politicians haven't succeeded in um, solving it. So we still have a chance as athletes uh, you know, to solve it, but without being used as pawns, without being used as political pawns. We do it our way. You know, with sport and competition. I heard someone say one time, it was about 1980, it was just this analogy, they said there was, in the world there's no common eye colour, there's no common skin colour, there's no common hair colour, there's no common culture. The only thing mankind has in common is sport. It's the only thing. And that's the only thing that can stop this powder keg blowing up sport can hold us together if we do it in the correct way. Sport and the love of competition. That was Australian Olympic swimmer Mats Metzger reflecting on his experience participating at the 1980 Moscow Olympics. Be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett sending you off with more sound from the closing ceremony of the 1980 Moscow Olympics. Thanks for listening. Пожелаю.